everyone. Welcome to Book Conversations. We're your hosts, Sa'ad. And I'm Mahmouda. Join us as we have conversations inspired by books. Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Book Conversations. This episode conversation is inspired by If I Had Your Face by Francis Cha and the picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. So this is the first time we're doing a two book combination, but when we were reading, well to be honest, you, I, you read both of the books first, but it made sense to combine them. We're going to talk about beauty, have a good, good old conversation. Anyway, Swad, what's the book about? So I'll start with... Um the picture of Dorian Gray which most people probably heard about by any actually just read for the first time anyways it follows Dorian Gray who enthralled by his own exquisite portraits exchanges his soul for eternal youth and beauty influenced by his friend Lord Henry Wotton he is drawn into a corrupt double life indulging his desires in secret while remaining a gentleman in the eyes of polite society only his portrait bears the traces of his depravity and about If I Had Your Face, a debut novel set in Korea about four young women making their way in a world defined by impossibly high standards of beauty, secret room salons, catering to wealthy men, strict social hierarchies, and K-pop fan mania. Mahmouda, what did you think about the books? Okay. You can start with <laughs> If I Had Your Face and then... I should start with If I Had Your Face. So first of all, I love her writing because I remember when I was reading it and mm. as someone who is a huge huge fan of everything like korean entertainment of course mm. i was really uh, <laughs> i was really excited to read the book um but in terms of her writing the in the first initial initial chapters there's so much that happens sometimes and there's so many like there's so many twists and turns some of them were unnecessary bro unnecessary legit i was like okay at some point it was exciting and then afterwards i was like okay honey we can stop a little bit <laughs> It was too much. It was way. I think she and I remember reading a review ages ago about this book. When once when I finished it, because I read it last year, right? And the person was like, how she felt like this lady tried to cover so much in this book that it didn't give you literally like the backstory. Sometimes I'm like, excuse you, but yeah, because some of them didn't have like a like she told the story, but then I was like, so what's the point? I guess that's interesting yeah. okay let's, let's set it up so there are, four, are there were there four or five main characters uh, see see there's four main characters and i feel like it could have easily she could have easily done three because two of those main characters were bled into one at some point they just weren't like strong enough in my opinion and i could tell you off the top of my head who i think they should have removed or at least merged into the other one the lady who the one who was pregnant we know now Wanna, wanna, that's her name. Wanna, yeah. Yeah. Wana. Her story was really irrelevant to me. I mean, I get it. It was irrelevant to the book. I get it because part of the, so just providing a bit of backdrop to the characters. So for Wana's character, she Actually, is. Actually, you want me to read what's on the back of the book? Yeah, yeah, go They on. give you like one liners for each character. So Kiyuri is a beautiful room, silent girl, paid to entertain wealthy businessmen after hours. Miho is an artist whose life becomes enmeshed with the offspring of a super wealthy elite. Ara is a hairstylist whose obsession with a K-pop star leads her to violent extremes. And Wana, their neighbor, is pregnant with a child that she can't afford. The good part about Wana's story, I remember there was a part about her like being raised with her grandmother. That was slightly interesting. Oh yeah, I like that was yeah. an interesting thing about her, but they could have easily just given that backstory to somebody else. Exactly. And that and was the were, only interesting yeah, thing about her story. When she got pregnant, it was um like a good insight perhaps into the difficulties of like getting maternity leave or the appropriate time for you to take care of your child in society but other than that legit i agree they could have cut her character and the whole world would have been great <laughs> basically well, yeah what, what else did you think about it i had to write a list of the characters in the notebook because i was getting confused because i was reading online yeah, i think it was easy to get confused between the last two um and ara and sujin's character with was so it felt really I don't know. They felt very similar to me as well. It's because they, they were. I think, which is a good thing that she didn't make them two like two um, main protagonists, because they were very similar to an extent, anyway. And we saw Sujin through Ara's eyes, and a bit sometimes through Kiri's eyes. I think that might also have been why. But I feel like the most fascinating aspect was what's her name, Kiari's story of working in a salon. And yeah, then, actually, I really uh, enjoyed her story. 
yeah and how Sujin kind of looks at her and thinks once she's beautiful all will be well in the world which unfortunately doesn't happen but um, which okay. is also what they echo in Dorian Gray anyway but carry on Oh yeah, <laughs> the importance of beauty. Does beauty pay? You know what would be interesting? I would like to do a poll. I'll make a note of this. I'd like to do a poll on Twitter to see um, for people, especially for Muslim women, if plastic surgery to an extent, to be honest, I don't want to say that plastic surgery is haram because I'm not sure. But if plastic surgery wasn't haram, would people would people be more inclined really? to do it? That's an interesting question. I mean, for me, it's never crossed my mind. But Has I, it I not? Have, no, ever. Wow, because I feel like I've had I've been having more discussions with people who are like semi considering it. Um, interesting. Yeah, maybe it's because I don't look at my body a lot, and when I say that, it's just because I'm always, I'm literally always dressed, even when I'm home, right? And I'm always also wearing very baggy stuff. And but I saw my friend a couple of days ago. She gave me a hug every time she sees me. She gives me a hug and she touches my hand. She's like, "Oh my god, your arms are so skinny." All of that stuff, right? But then I don't actually think about this like normally because I always wear like large or size fourteen. So I'm not consciously thinking about I'm, my body. I do love working out, of course, and I'm like, "Oh, I want a six pack." But it's just, "Oh, I want it," and I'm trying to eat well and I try to work out for lifestyle in general. But I've never thought to myself like, "Oh, I would really want." That's a lucky, lucky state to be in. Yeah, one. perhaps. Yeah, because I think. But maybe I don't, mm, I don't know. Maybe it's I'm in a different place. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Cause I think social media has a lot to do with it. In terms, I of think it's, I I feel like perhaps being off Instagram has helped me a lot. Yeah. True saying. Yeah. Um. Okay. The other thing I was gonna say about this book was it kind of made me think about what Chimamanda talks about in terms of the danger of the single story. Because for anyone who consumes a lot of Korean content, I feel like there is definitely a particular image that has been pushed and of course no country is gonna is gonna show the sort of the downside or the ugly parts of the culture yeah, but this book gives you so much insight this book I a lot and it made me it made me read up um because I, I kind of knew about the social hierarchy but I guess I didn't a lot of the times when you watch NK dramas it's kind of like oh the romantic the rich girl the rich yeah, girl but you don't know all of the okay. other you're like actually in reality that's not how it works the chances of that happening is very 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 it's very minimal it's very low let me tell you disney has got people <laughs> thinking they're gonna find their prince charming oh, which reminds disney. me what's that next show what's that next like, show the guy that was coming people right left and center <laughs> oh i forgot his name the swindler tinder swindler I think that's his name, Tinder Sedla, because it's this idea of I'm going to find a rich man. And of course, you know what? Mm-hmm. Like, part, women are encouraged to get married partly in part of like security. But yeah, the whole idea of poor girl marrying a rich guy, let me tell you, you might get scammed or you might waste years of your life. You know, I, I woke up to that, not even from Korea, but from having a conversation with another with a friend who is from like the middle. Uh, middle and almost almost upper class right and like talking about how class is important to her when she's looking for a spouse and i had never thought about it before in terms of like i've never thought about class in terms of looking for a spouse until we had that conversation where she was just explaining not uh, like why it matters to her because you're used to a certain lifestyle and mm. i remember vaguely there's this particular i don't know if it's a hadith or a scholar saying like i think it might be a scholar i don't want to say it's a hadith but something along the lines of like being able to provide the lifestyle for a woman that she's used to yeah um, so i guess that's why class is important but that's when my eyes became open to because i've always also remember i guess disney brainwashed me in it, this idea of like you can like marry whoever you want or like and it was only until that time some t- years ago that i realized that there's some things that people actually factor into like getting to know someone because I was, I was like, but what if the person is not from an upper class, but or middle class, even if the person lower or working class, but they've worked themselves to the top. But then somebody else was like, yeah, but their mannerisms and like just the lifestyle they used to having might not translate. Mm-hmm. And I remember a good paragraph I saw that summarizes this or sentence was, is about how a lot of people from those backgrounds, like working class backgrounds, when you thought about money and thought about savings, you're not you're saving. You're saving in a way that you live. You're living to survive. So you're saving with a fear of like what happens when this money goes, and like you're not actually living to thrive. Like there's a good way to find a balance, and I I guess that's why even when you, when you broke or when you're working low class, and then you earn money and you're doing well, you may not actually live the enjoy the lifestyle of somebody who's used to having money. If that makes sense, Mm, and not having to worry about like income, etc. 
Tuesday. I think, yeah, it does happen, but it's a small, it's a very, very small percentage. And I think, well, I, I forgot what else I was going to say. Oh, no, I was going to say that also when you think about, oh, no, not even um in terms of like the whole marriage issue. And I think part of like what this book kind of shows is people or at least like really prominent because when, when we're talking about wealth and class, you know, there's old money, there's new money. Um, yeah. and I'm right old money, right? And I think you kind of see this a little bit in the book as well. Like people are married to consolidate wealth, not to dilute it. So like the, the grandmother in this book, once her not not the grandmother is it the grandmother or the, the mother? mom it's the mom the yeah the mom in this book clearly wants her son to marry someone that's of like a equal social standing or like from a particular wealth background because you want to consolidate wealth and i feel like we see that all around us anyway even like as Nigerian. all around the world yeah i was literally about to say that and you know what it reminded me of in that short story in love and color the Ghanaian girl yeah who didn't like what's his name or love at least Koiku, oh. but she was going to be with him because of their families and already planned it. They're both very, very wealthy, all of that stuff. I guess some children don't mind, but I wonder the effects it has on some of those children and if they're actually happy in their marriages and all of those questions. Oh, there is a question for another day. That is indeed a question for another day. So yeah, as I was saying, um, I appreciated the, the, the challenge that the book gave me in terms of thinking beyond everything that I consume, whether like throughout the reality shows or the movies, and particularly because of our topic around beauty. And it's true, when you watch the shows and when you watch the movies, there is a particular semblance of or a particular image of what is considered beautiful. Like I remember there was this dating show, it was just Koreans. And whenever they would talk about beauty, the only like the only comment they would give is oh she's so light-skinned like she's so fair not light-skinned so so fair she's so white yeah, and all of those a lot of people consider beauty so you think about how ingrained that is and then also in terms of facial structure i did not know south korea was the capital of plastic surgeries it is normal there it is normal there like people in their teens getting facial reconstructive surgery is fascinating. So I feel like the book, the book, one thing you want to get by in society and knowing the kind of society you're from, you really want to, I guess, ensure that you thrive. Exactly. Exactly. I appreciated the different perspectives that the book gave me. The ending was hopeful, but at the same time, I felt like it needed a bit of boom, baba boom. Anyway, the ending was annoying. To be honest, I don't know what's going to happen with any of these characters, but here we are. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, what were your thoughts? Uh, I mean, you said most of how most of the things I felt as well. I really enjoyed reading it, particularly because, you know, as you know, I'm a sucker for good writing. I think she writes well as style, minus all of the backstory, all of the shock, shock, shock stuff that she did. But I think I just, I like the way that she writes. And um, I also loved as well that she made me ask certain questions. I loved her use of writing. I love that she wrote in the... Was she writing in the first person? Yeah, I love that she wrote in the first person for all full characters. I think it's hard to do sometimes. I did feel like, as I said before, that we didn't need full characters. I usually feel like sometimes in book, when authors have books with multiple main characters, it can be hit or miss. But I'm reading a book that someone gifted me. I didn't expect to actually enjoy it as much as I am. And it's like six protagonists because it follows a family right so each family gets each member of the family gets their own chapter but it doesn't feel weird at all i mean also she has a very clever way of making sure that the last sentence or the last dialogue said in the last person's chapter starts the next person's chapter so it would naturally follow that it's the person that's talking to this person that the chapter starts next so it doesn't make it seem weird all of the characters are very very different in their character in like in their behavior on like personality so they're memorable like you never confuse one with the other and there are four siblings and one friend who's also like a sibling so he gets a chapter the dad also gets a chapter so imagine all of those people but it's still so easy to follow and you don't get lost in like trying to figure out who's this person who's that person whereas with this one i feel like there were two characters there's a twice i had to go and check who was who which i felt like oh it could be a it could draw you out of the story when you're not sure what character is and then you have to make like put together the pieces over and over again and i i, I didn't I, I don't know i thought the ending was just it was anticlimactic if that's the word because i just was i don't know what i was expecting but just not what they gave me <laughs> what she gave me because i read the last line and i was like this cannot be it. i was expecting another page i'm not joking so i opened it and i saw that it was the end and i was like oh, okay it was cute but i wanted a little bit more than cute yeah i said it almost felt like the book ended on the middle <laughs> yeah 
I was, like, I was, I was like, okay, this is cute, but like, is there more coming? And then I guess they'll get by. I guess the point of that ending could be that now that they have each other and they've formed a sisterhood, they will get by, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish, like, yeah, I guess that's what it is. Anyways, yeah, those were my thoughts. Okay. What did you think of Dorian Gray? Righty ho. So Dorian Gray, I first read in sixth form. and But this second time, I was like, what is this mess? I guess when you have to read a book to pass an exam, there's a different level of interest that you have in it. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought that certain parts of it were extremely dull. The main concept of it, I think, is timeless and a, is a very fascinating, fascinating topic. about. That's the, the reason why I didn't put it down. Mm-hmm. Literally, that's the only reason why I didn't put it down. So I guess... If you're gonna read a classic, read it. But <laughs> we're prepared no, but for some classics that are so good. I don't read a lot of classics, so I don't have any opinion. I don't have any. Okay, I don't read that many um white British classics or white American. I like Russian classics, and there's a particular way that they write that you don't get bored. And they would have like multiple characters, lots of growth. So much happened in this book. It's gonna be this book is often am I reading? There's one I'm reading that's 700, 800 pages long. But you can mm. you can put it down and pick it up and not get bored like stuff happens and the characters are always fascinating and I feel like also I guess maybe it's the particular author I read or I've read but like they would have an interesting way of commenting on society and women and just showing women but this book the women in this book throughout in this picture of Dorian Gray throughout I don't there was not one women understood out to me they were all written in either they're written as like from Lord Henry's point of view which is that women are what do they call them they're decorators <laughs> or oh, the the decoration decoration they're not really anything that you should be fascinated by and then that one went and sacrificed herself for love so you're just thinking my god and all of that stuff there was not one positive in my opinion show of, of women in this book and that really irritated me yes it was written in 1890 but i'm pretty sure they must have been this that's their problem and also the racist terms in that book that's that and that yeah women are pause in the book which it makes sense when you consider that the the main protagonist the issue with it is about like pursuing hedonism and like being committed absolutely to pleasure and so no but i feel like there are other ways they could have shown i said to some extent i feel like even the even the mention of particular men in the book is about being a means to an end for dorian gray so mm-hmm. apart from the three main characters everyone else kind of faces the background and they mentioned so many characters and i kept thinking to myself why should i care about this person why should i care about that person why should i care if you know how many times i rolled my eyes when a new character came because they'll tell you the person's full name tell you all about the person's background and then i'm never going to see this person again ever and I'm just like, I don't really care about this person for you to give me this much detail. Nobody cares. Just, yeah. Did you have other thoughts about Dorian Gray? The book, you know, let me tell you guys, I'm not joking, but three times it made me fall asleep. Like, I <laughs> slept three times. But then one day I said, God, I must finish this book by force by fire. Even though my eyes were closed and it was in, after, in the afternoon, broad daylight, I stood up, I paced as I was reading it. I said, I'll finish this book. Don't let us go out front. Let's just get me, please, because this book. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, At the same time, though, I feel like maybe it's because we read the clean version. Maybe it is a clean version we read, and that's why. I'm not sure if there are two versions of that book. There is. But I was thinking about it today. So I was thinking about that today, and I was thinking maybe it's, if I could read the clean version, that might be why I found it boring. I don't know. So. I'm just honest, I don't think the Sociopath version would have made a difference in terms of. Yeah, because of all of the that the bits, the chunks of the pages, chunks of pages I feel like could have been cut out. Yeah. Just for so each time the boy enjoyed himself. Then you it says oh. there's a censored version from 1891, and the uncensored oh. version was in 1890, so probably a year later. But um, interesting. And there are like books comparing the uncensored versus the censored. But to be honest, I don't think it would have made a difference. Same, and now that I'm thinking about it, because I was just thinking, I think another reason why the book probably irritates me is that I, I guess, I guess I'm tired of reading books where a there's no representation, b not just that I don't want you to have a black character, right? Different conversation. Mm-hmm. It's just that there are pages and pages where it would mention like how you know when it was exploring art or exploring music, exploring it would talk about how exquisite and how beautiful and how amazing the art of one of these white countries are. Then it would go on to mention like these black countries or Turkish or all of these other places and then they would describe them in the most bland terms where we use words like what's the what's that word that it was used to refer to black people in those times so just 
no, 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 not just that, but like, um, well, that in the book, I swear I saw that one. Yeah, the neighbors was in the book, <laughs> it was, <laughs> but like, I mean, that to describe the things that we did, uncivilized, oh, right. not uncivilized, but another word, some, a, a word that's synonymous to uncivilized anyway. But the way that he would describe it was so irritating because I'm like, just yeah. And I think maybe that also affected the way that I read the book. Because at first I was like, oh, this is interesting. At first, then I'm just like, okay, bye. Yeah, it just wasn't my thoughts. Um, let me explain why, is, for people who haven't read the book, why there's an, there's two versions. So I'm just on Goodreads right now. And there's the on, under the description for the uncensored version, it says, upon receipt of the typescript, Wilde's editor panicked at what he saw. Contained within its pages was material he feared he feared readers would find offensive, especially oh, instances of instances of graphic homosexual content. So then I think his editor kind of put a redacted version, but even in its redacted I'm form, I'm sure the normal version is out somewhere in the world. That's yeah, original. So it says even in its redacted form, the novel caused public outcry. The British press condemned it as vulgar, unclean, poisonous, discreditable, and a sham. And then when Wilde later enlarged the novel for publication in book form, he responded to his critics by further toning down its immoral elements. And obviously times have changed though. But I think for me, my, my yeah. issue was just the the writing wasn't particularly... Yeah. It didn't grab me. Sorry. That was the issue. That was the only issue I had as well. It was the, the writing. The, it's just, the, it was boring. And perhaps because I don't care about art that much because I felt like it, it was a lot Maybe of... Maybe actually that could be opinionated thoughts about art and what art means in the world oh i should retract that moment. it's not like it's not i don't care about art but the i guess the context of the way art is described in this doesn't really appeal in to the, me it, but it was very focused on beauty and remember he was like beauty is a form of genius and it's higher than genius <clears throat> it's like god okay my last thought was that there was a quote in the book that reminded me of the hadith of five before five because yeah. he was talking about like when, when I think it was Lord James that was talking about how when we get old, when we get old, we degenerate. Oh, where is the quote? It said, "We degenerate into <laughs> hideous puppets haunted by the memory of the passions of which we were too much afraid, and the exquisite temptations that we had not yet the we had not the courage to yield to." Basically, there's a long ass paragraph where he's going on and on about um youth and the importance of youth and how youth is the best and, and so on and so on and it just reminded me of the hadith of like five before five and also someone was talking about how the five things we should make the most of so that before we like lose them mm. and obviously making the most of your youth is one of them before old age but yeah i found that interesting mm, that's good. well not with the obsession that they're speaking about it though it means like you spend loads of money as some of these characters trying to change your faces if I had your face, life would be better. Apparently is the implication. Anywho, which book do you want to start with in terms of the discussion? Dorian Gray or... Oh, I have so much. Okay, go um, on. I didn't know where to start. <laughs> no, I think one thing I just kept thinking about was why is it, why did they put beauty on such a pedestal? Like, a question that came to mind that I wrote, which I, was, which I already said at the beginning, was... Um, do you think beauty lies in the eyes of the beholder? And of course, of course, I know you don't like agree with what this guy was saying, but I remember there was a part in the book where he was like, um, oh, what did he say? One second, I need to find it because I remember writing that. Because he was talking about how real beauty ends where an intellectual expression begins. And intellect is in itself a form of exaggeration and it destroys the harmony of any face. The moment one sits down to think, one becomes all nose or all forehead, something horrid. And I just kept thinking, like, do you feel like do you feel like we have this same obsession with beauty and with youth as this guy, Lord Henry James, does in this book? Or do you think it's it's different in the way that it manifests? I think there's two distinctions within the book. So Dorian Gray for me, the essence of beauty is very much distilled into like youthful appearance or youth in general whereas I feel like if I had your face was more about conventional beauty standards of what society perceives to be beautiful Mm -hmm. so this is focused on Dorian Gray yeah um but in terms of Dorian Gray in terms of beauty being associated associated with youth of course I feel like it's hard to escape that like even when you think about and I hate to talk about marriage because I feel like it's such a redundant topic at times. But <laughs> even when you think about 
the concept of women reach a particular age and then we say, oh my gosh, she looks amazing for that age. Or I can't believe you look like that at 60. Uh, or the pressure that actresses feel to um, go through Botox. There's this particular supermodel mm-hmm. that's now doing a company because she went through this fat freezing process that apparently created lumps in her body. But there's a lot of pressure to maintain a youthful look in society and we can't hide from that like everybody wants to look younger than their actual age <laughs> nobody wants to be having wrinkles no one wants to have gray hair anymore you think that i think I it's, it's interesting think no no i think that right but then i also think about the fact that makeup makes us look older i remember okay. bumping into these girls in the shop and they had makeup on and in my mind i thought they were our age so in their 20s but they were 17 i think or 16 and i thought that they were in their 20s and it made me think about how it's interesting how we want to be like forever young. Yes. But also thing. but also how makeup makes us look much older than our age. And then it's, it's just I just found that interesting. Perhaps it's just that there's a longing when you're in your teenage years to be older, but then once you've gotten to a certain age, so maybe in your late twenties, you want to remain young. Maybe that's just a distinction um between the two. And I think it's important for us as women in particularly in particular not to fall into that trap because I'm sorry, yeah, it's I'm a big, big advocate of taking care of your taking care of yourself, doing like certain things, like you know, have a routine, blah blah blah. But let's not lie to ourselves. Sorry, but when you get to a certain age, there are some things that are gonna start appearing on your skin. And I feel like if we already have the mindset now, that that then means the end of the world. Boy, people are gonna suffer. <laughs> You are bound to get wrinkled. Your self-esteem. Exactly. So I think kind of loving yourself in different states is really, really important because unfortunately... it's hard, but I think it is important, as you said. Yeah. It is hard. Like, it is important. Because of the world we live in. Exactly. And and I feel like certain things which kind of mark getting older, which society kind of of shuns, it's also like, I don't know, I, I I think of it in the perspective of gratitude as well. Like Alhamdulillah, we get to we get to be older to get to a certain age. But yeah, my perspective is take care of yourself, but you can't beat time. That's just the way life is. <laughs> Which in this book, Dorian is trying to beat time. Badly. Um, Badly. It doesn't end well for him. The way I think about it is I was listening to something today on um Allah's names, right? And um Shaky Asakadi was talking about how because Allah's name Al Jamil and talking about how like the name means beautiful and a lot is is the one from which everything that's beautiful originates um and just think about how a lot has created us in beautiful forms but just because i mean not just because because that does not sound right a lot created us in beautiful forms right but there is a societal standard for what's beautiful um there are people who are generally accepted like we know how you have those people that everybody thinks are good looking and then there are those who are like specifically beautiful, I guess. So even though we know or we're aware that Allah created us in like the best and the most beautiful form, do you find that it's difficult to sometimes internalize that? Because we do know Allah made us. I mean, you can't argue with that. Allah is a Musawir, he's the fashioner, he fashions us in the most beautiful form. Yeah. But then if you're surrounded by stuff that tells you constantly that you're not beautiful, then it's a bit of a hard work. Um, Do I feel like, are you asking personally or what? Yeah, just personally, but also in general. To be honest, I think the time where I felt like most pressure society-wise was probably in my teen years. So mm. when, I feel like when I was a teenager, there was a, there was a lot of like influence in particular around like hair. And then obviously like I have a big nose I think those were the only Oh, time. God, big nose. Oh, my God, I got bullied for having a big nose. Oh, my God. Hey, even my yeah, I remember somebody even said they were complimenting me by calling me big nose beauty, whatever that means. But, like, <laughs> my nose was the focus. No, but I can't compliment <laughs> It's not a compliment. Because before that, I've been called, like, so many things. And people were so mm. focused on my nose all the time. But don't you think it When you said nose, I just remembered it. <laughs> Because I feel like those teen years, I feel, no, the thing is, I feel like those teen years were so pivotal because Alhamdulillah, I think to, to an extent, I don't deal with kind of like a beauty crisis. Oh, that's what you mean by beauty character. Yeah, yeah, it does. Because I, I had to... I've worked through my issues. 
Yeah, I think so too. I think because of how people constantly commented on like my nerves and stuff. Uh-huh. I don't know, just because I also have a when I I have a chubby face, right? Mm-hmm. And so even though I may be quote unquote skinny, my face is chubby, especially when I'm eating well. And yeah. I know somebody literally a random person, uh, someone I know, an acquaintance we hadn't spoken for years, and out of the blue, messaged me, and the first thing he says is, "Wow, your face is fat." I'm not joking. This is when I was oh in my school. And I just thought, you haven't spoken to me in ages. And the first thing is that you saw my profile picture and you want to message me to tell me that my face is fat. I think he said, why is your face so fat? That's out of order. And I was that like, I, I didn't respond because I was like, I don't understand. Read, look, look. What am I saying in response to this? What I was going to say is, because I think when I was younger, Oh my god! You know that when, and this is why I'm particularly scared about the influence of social media. Because I remember when, when I was really young, um, and like people would call attention to my nose and say, "Oh, your nose is so big." Not that I, to be honest, I don't even think my nose is big. <laughs> I think it's appropriate. Really, I, don't, I don't think so too. I think it fits my face. Yeah, that's the thing. But I guess exactly. Um, but I remember there was this there was this clip around that time that they used to have on eBay that you could put on your nose, and there was like a good one month where I was like really really obsessed with like I think I should get that clip. But uh, I what do you think it would do? It would shrink your nose? Yeah, no, like on the pictures, it would yeah. show like people's nose getting um shrinked. And to be honest, all just like, ah, so they've been doing these tactics for years. <laughs> no, like when I think about people, um, like Michael Jackson, for example, and the pressure that he felt to get surgery because of his nose, and even now, yeah. like even people talking about um Jay Z is not attractive because of his nose. Like I feel like you can find him. Really, people say that. God, human beings have life problems, actually, because I'm sorry, I can't do this. Human beings have life problems. What kind of <laughs> problems do you have that you're complaining about Jesus? It's also your business, really. Um, but yeah, I can see why now for um people that are in their teen years who are seeing particular images on social media, like everyone everyone has a particular, you know, like with filters, you can get your nose to be a certain shape, etc. Why people in like 18, 19 are considering to me what is life-altering surgeries like getting their nose reshaped getting different things lifted etc um but then I guess the other question in my mind is if it makes someone feel feels good about themselves so I think about someone like Kelly Rowland for example and she's been very public about getting um a boob surgery if it makes someone feel good about themselves it's up to you if you have the money and you want to do it if it's if you're not if you're doing it because you want to do it not because of pressure um, or to fit in into a particular thing maybe you just like having big boobs for example i don't know or you really like having a big bum i think if it's just something that you want and not because of pressure or because you hate yourself because if you do it because you hate yourself you're never going to be satisfied with the way that you look mm. there's always going to be something else that you don't like about yourself that's just, that's how i feel bing 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 that's what i wanted to say because where do you draw the line between i'm doing this for myself and society even though i i feel like in some instances maybe perhaps there there is a distinction but I think there's a difference between surgery that's deep rooted in insecurities because honestly even not that I've ever had it I just feel like where do you start because once you fix one you're going to be thinking well I want to do another one and then you're going to think I need I need another one and it will never stop and I think this whole concept as well of body parts being in trend or not like right now a big bum and big like big thighs are in trend big lips are Remember in when trend. didn't used to be in trend yeah. as well which is so sad Hmm. So I remember when the didn't used to be in trend. Exactly. In trend. And now it's like, you know, certain things oh, that perhaps people would have gotten like yeah. mocked for when they were younger, it's like the in thing now. And so mm, I just feel so like we, this word. as difficult as it is, we do need to separate ourselves from like society beauty standards. Like everyone needs to be able to look at themselves in the mirror and be like, yeah, you that girl. <laughs> and that's why yes, you need to look at for beauty. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll be looking in the mirror and you're like, oh, is that me? Yeah. But <laughs> I'm not thinking. <laughs> I'm not thinking about social media as well. Like I feel like, especially when social media first started. I don't know if you remembered, like when um the filters became a thing. After I tried it once oh or twice, I was really I particular about the because I thought this is a slippery like, slope. Oh, that you thought Snapchat was the worst. My God, because you got so terrible. used to your face being a certain way. That then when you saw your face without the filter, you're thinking, oh my God. Who's this? I don't like this person. I remember this, actually, I remember talking to one of my friends. So you know how iPhone gives you that memory pop-up thing? So mm. a, a picture came from some time ago. Remember that photo shoot I did when I was 22, that we did when I was 22? I had taken a particular picture with a Snapchat filter. 
um, and I'd forgotten I even took that picture. So it came up as a memory and I was like, oh my God, I look so different here. Oh, look at me, young. And then I remember my friends saying, of course you look different. You have a filter that's like engineered to make your face look not like it's supposed to be. And like, I only just internalized it then. I mean, I'd stopped using like filters, but still mm. like I didn't think about how much of an effect it has on how we see ourselves. Because when you're constantly looking at yourself from that frame or from that lens, then when you see yourself in the mirror, you'll never be satisfied because you have this this self that you're measuring yourself against or this mm-hmm. image of yourself anyway, that you're measuring yourself against, if that makes sense. And what you said about mirror just kind of reminded me about Dorian Gray and this concept of having an image of yourself reflected to you and being so obsessed mm-hmm. with it that the distinction between what's real and what's not real just becomes really blurred. And instead of like seeing yourself as it is you become committed to preserving a particular image so I think it's a lot of pressure man it's a lot of pressure and the fact that we see the same things we might not realize the fact that we see the same thing subconsciously it impacts you and off related example I noticed this even with like modest fashion if I'm on Instagram a lot and I'm seeing particular images after a while I start to think oh my god that looks really nice and it might be stuff that I would never even like it might be stuff that's like on the boundary of not being okay in terms of what I what I would wear, and then mm-hmm. I'm like, nah, I have mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. about what I have to you do. You know what? Actually, d- slightly unrelated but kind of related conversation. This reminded me of an article I read about somebody who was years ago who had said that said like something along the lines of why I stopped following people who take off their job because some things become normalized the more you witness it. And I remember a lady actually. It's a re- this one is a recent blog post that she wrote for Amalia about like grief and like how um, dealing with her brother's death helped her mm. to come back to Allah um, and she talked about how at the time when she took off her job like there was a lot of like people were like yes this there's a lot of like encouragement but also people saying oh, oh it helped her helped them make the decision to take off their hijab and like she's thinking about the weights and all of that stuff but she also just talked about how when you're surrounded by something so much you think it's normal yeah, because she became surrounded by a culture of like people taking off their hijab. That it, the narrative of like, oh, you sister, like, are you sure you're living the life you want to live? Became the the norm. Even though if if she didn't have all of those influences, she probably wouldn't have asked, wouldn't have had to even think in that direction. But that's what I was thinking about in terms of influence. The symbolism of images is so important, and then also with um Dorian Gray, I had this question of. Do you think Dorian would have been obsessed with his beauty? One, if Basil had never painted him. Um, and two, if Lord Henry had not seen the painting and made a comment about it. I don't I don't think he would have. Because he I don't know, I think he he probably knew he was good looking, but I don't think he ever internalized it to the point at which they both did. The moment Basil came, I was talking to Lord Henry about how he saw this guy and it was almost like he worshipped him. And yes. how he couldn't do anything without him. And I kept thinking to myself, before I even got into the book deep, I kept thinking to myself, the moment this boy finds out, we are done for. Because it's going to ruin him. And not only did Lord Henry make the comments, he went on to feed him with so much. And then he just grew obsessed with his beauty. And it's just... So I think if they hadn't both, so if he hadn't painted that picture, because the picture now, even, I think the picture was kind of like a, a gratification. And it's also a constant visual reminder that this is you. And remember after Lord Henry made that comment and he looked at the picture, he then grew irritated that this picture will continue to look better than him, whereas he would be the one who would age. And so I feel like if, yeah, yeah, they both were the cause of his life problems. But also, I think in, in and to an extent, to an extent, because I think he, it could have, I guess not anymore because it had been lost, but it could have also taken responsibility and choose, because there were times where he would be called to account, right? But then because he had the constant influence of Lord Henry, who did not believe in the in sins and moral or immoral acts and all of that stuff, it was easy for him to easily like go astray, that makes mm-hmm. sense. The most important thing that I took away from the picture of Dorian Gray is one, the importance of influences in terms of what we consider to be beautiful and how we perceive ourselves. And then two, this concept of images as well. Yeah, exactly. This concept of images. And I I hate to take it back to plastic surgery, but I also thought of like another celebrity that got a BBL, but she eventually, because hers got like, it started to get really toxic and she was getting really sick. 
um, and she started doing sort of like PSAs about the dangers of BBLs, etc. But when I think about on this concept of preserving beauty in an image, I think about like, for example, if a celebrity posts a picture where they've photoshopped it and then people are like, oh, you look so beautiful. And that person then looks at their picture knowing this is not the reality of what I look like, which then creates that pressure of, oh, maybe I actually need to go under the knife. And then you have people going through these really, really, quite frankly, <laughs> life-threatening surgeries. Like people die from BBLs. Let me just put that out there. And most often than not, black women disproportionately disproportionately affects us as well um because if you don't go to the right doctor you you don't go to the right people some of these surgeries can go off like so quickly but yeah this concept of uh like the feedback the feedback loops affects everyone it affects the people that are perpetuating unideal um beauty standards or impossible beauty standards and it affects the people that are also consuming the content thinking this is real so that line between reality and what is fake is so blurred nowadays yeah that's my two cents those were my thoughts about Dorian Gray. Dorian Gray wants to stay beautiful forever. But to be honest, it's not what we get in general. He did so anyway. many horrible things. It is what it. we get in general. Yeah, we, it's what we yeah. get in general. Inshallah. Inshallah. <laughs> it's what we get in general. But I guess, but that's not the, the be or end or right? That's not like the focus. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not the ultimate high of general. I remember in that session where um I was listening to today as well, um, yes, Shaky Asakura was talking about how getting to Jannah and all of the things that you get and the reward, that that's not the the peak of it. The peak yeah. is getting to see the face of Allah. So like so even though we we all be to get the beauty of Prophet, for example, um like it's not like oh we're all aiming to go to Jannah because we want to stay beautiful forever. There's so many <laughs> other things you have to worry about <laughs> before you get to the point where you're thinking, oh I'm gonna be beautiful forever. Um, so yeah. Cool. Was there anything else that picture of Dorian Gray made you think about? Yeah, I just it made me irritated a lot. <laughs> irritated. I just, I just really did not like that because normally in books, I think okay, maybe not all books do it fair enough. But I just like to see it, even if it's not a balance, just a tiny mm. bit of a shift on the scale. Show me one female character who kind of defies how Lord Henry thinks, even if it's not entirely. Um. And we didn't get that. So I muted myself because I was searching for something. But to be honest, I don't want to speak out of turn, but wouldn't that have been out of the ordinary at the time? Because was it was it that bad in the eight in the eighth and nineties? Because I was thinking at least the upper class. So maybe a little. That's why I was thinking. Maybe just even she doesn't have to be like a radicalist. Hmm. Even that word I didn't like. But she, for, I'm just saying she doesn't have to be extreme of him. But somebody to even like challenge what he says sometimes. That Dorian Gray actually annoyed me because even as he got older, he still took on everything that Henry said as he as if he worshipped him, like he never questioned it. I remember there's a part in the book where a lady was like, Do you always agree with him? And it was like, Yeah, he never disagrees with Lord, with what Lord Henry says. And that made me actually think about the point of accountability in the sense that like like for, oh, also um, accountability, but also realistically, do you act? Are there people who actually just take on what one person that they feel really influenced them says I forever? Think so. like, there's never a point where there's never a point where he doesn't agree. I mean, you might say, "Oh, don't say this, don't say this," but he doesn't actually disagree. I yeah, guess because they are the it shows them building up a relationship. You know what? That's the thing. I I can't remember what age Dorian is supposed to be in the book, but no, to but me, he gets up to thirty five. It goes from eighteen to thirty five. Or... Okay, exactly. So when the relationship starts, he, quite frankly, I feel like eighteen. It is a no, very no. I understand that part. Of course, I understood yeah. that it was when he had been thirty five and he still wasn't because there's a part. The part in the dinner was after when he's already thirty five or thirty something. When the lady was the man, Lord Henry said something ridiculous, or to me. And the lady was like to him, like, do you always, to Dorian, do you always agree with what, what Lord Henry says? And Dorian was like, yeah, of course he does. Or like, he never disagrees anyway with what Lord Henry says. The one moment where I thought maybe he was developing a conscience, and it goes back to what we're saying about influence and kind of like whispers, when Sybil committed, no, when he had a, he broke up with Sybil, who was this, mm-hmm. um, what do you call and it? he wrote all of that letter in it. <laughs> Right, and he was in the process of thinking about apologising, and then Lord Henry comes and tells him that the girl's committed suicide, 
And perhaps maybe he might have felt remorseful, but Lord Lord Henry's presence at that very time was a huge... It was very influential in the way he saw it. All of a sudden, he starts to get irritated. It's a small matter. Exactly. If it was a basil that broke the news, it would have been different. So I feel like because Lord Henry was a persistent influence, it made a difference. As opposed to, yeah, let's say, true. he interacted with Lord Henry when he was 18. And, and Lord then Henry he actually makes things that. exciting. Exactly. So I think that's why, that's why the influence lasted for so long yeah so dorian unfortunately trades his soul for eternal youth and beauty and it doesn't quite end well i'm not gonna spoil it maybe people are gonna read the book <laughs> but yeah right if i had your face thoughts around the way beauty is discussed in that book i found it interesting but i also found it um, enlightening yeah, and because they're just like you know how people just say, oh, they're obsessed with beauty in that part of the world, East Asian culture, but you never get context. So I think it was nice to see the context and see what people were up against, I guess, and perhaps why it mattered to some people, like why people would make decisions, for example, like change every part of their body, and why it was so important to them. I think this book shed light on it for me. Um. Uh, yeah, I would say that was the biggest thing for me. One of the main characters, her name is Kiari, and she works as an escort. Um, and she's gone through, I suppose, a lot of surgeries, particularly a jaw reconstruction surgery. But I feel yeah, like, like you said, um, the thing that was great about her characterization is you get to understand the motivations behind it and how beauty has real implications on how you live your life. But then also the downside of it in terms of the debt that she got into, having to think about payments, etc. Well, you know that in the job that she had, like you had to look a certain way. Exactly. I guess that's why she turned her face down on ugly people. Or why she was like, she doesn't understand ugly people, why they would exist. Uh, Paraphrasing. And to be honest, I think it's true to life. Pretty privilege exists regardless of whatever you exist. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. And I remember reading this thing, like, people are kinder to people that they, they are attracted to or they see beautiful. See mm. as beautiful. Yeah. So they want that to do favours for people that are pretty. Being beautiful opens doors at times. <laughs> Let's not deny it. This book was a lot about class and beauty and how that intersects. So you see these characters that struggle to, to escape their social positioning and find themselves in really uncomfortable situations and having to navigate that so there's a question of like are you going to go for survival as well yeah i think this book was actually a big big part of it is about survival because a lot of all of them they have they had backgrounds that they really wanted to leave Mm. it's a background that they could not go back to and if that makes sense so i think yeah actually what you say is right it was really about survival and to be honest when i think about it when it comes to survival sometimes people make decisions without thinking about i guess the they're not thinking about the long term right you're just thinking about i need to survive in this moment survival is about short term i need to make it through this moment and that's kind of what drives the decision that they make so that's that's also what i was thinking about in terms of like this culture because i thought about it in terms of like boarding schools in nigeria for example how people are younger but it's still a survival of the fittest and when i think back to the things that people did who were age 15, 16, 14. And I just keep thinking, I can't believe people would do stuff like this. But then again, I think about just the concept of survival and I guess acting on animalistic instincts. People just, I don't know, they do the most. Dog world. To summarise, it's about kind of like asking yourself what makes you feel beautiful, how much of an external influence affects that. Um if you stripped everything away would you still kind of like love yourself even with imperfections because i think we all need we all need to work towards that um yeah and also how do we have conversations about rising rates of plastic surgery and the dangers etc all that stuff so yeah anything else you want to add or shall we wrap it up there we can wrap it up coolio my vaccine is giving it's kicking in what are your favorite quotes one quote i really liked is uh, miho says one of the professors said once that the best art comes from an unbearable life if you live through it that is and the reason why i liked it was because it reminded me of how like it was the complete opposite in the picture of dorian gray 
um, in the sense that like they're very focused on beauty um, and how beauty is like art and the best art comes from beauty. Whereas here it's the like complete opposite, basically. That's why I liked that quote. And my quote for, or do you want to do yours actually for If I Had Your Face? Uh, yeah, so mine for If I Had Your Face was, for all its millions of people, Korea is the size of a fishbowl and someone is always looking down on someone else. That's just the way it is in this country. And the reason why people ask a series of rapid fire questions the minute they meet you. Which neighborhood do you live in? Where did you go to school? Where do you work? Do you know so-and-so? They pinpoint where you are on the national scale of status, then speak, then spit you out That's in a, a heartbeat. So I thought that was an interesting quote. quote on social class. Yeah, what's your Dorian Gray one? So my second quote from the picture of Dorian Gray is, you might see nothing in him, I see everything in him. And it's when Bezel was telling um, Lord Henry about Dorian Gray before the, um, he met he meets him. And the reason why I liked this, or not liked, well, the reason why I liked the quote was because it just reminded me of how, again, like perspective. And two things, it reminded me of how like you could see, you could hold something so dear, dear and nobody, somebody else might not even see it in that light at all. The second thing that it made me think about was how, well, in 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 relation to Basil's relationship with Dorian Gray, is how you could respect somebody and hold them in high esteem, and they might not even feel half the same for you. Like there's a point where Basil starts getting irritating to Dorian. I also felt it coming. Like I knew it was gonna happen. Um, so yeah, mm. that's why I I liked that quote at least interesting one so mine is nowadays people know the price of everything and the value of nothing yeah that's a good one very very apt yeah okay so to wrap up what's the latest book that you're reading i'm reading to one fiction which is called we are the brennans by tracy lange that's the one i was talking about like with the multiple characters i think it's done really well and afropean by johnny pitts which i'm also really enjoying as well sounds good i am reading before i was reading the upper world by femi but i had to return it on libby so i think i'm just gonna get it from my library instead but currently i started yesterday there's a ya book called excuse me while i ugly cry oh i know that book i haven't read it though goffney it is incredible i'm only 12 percent in but i'm hooked so yeah that's what i'm that's good because i i haven't read it yet but it was on my to read list so I'm really glad you're enjoying it. I'm hoping it's it's positive. Way. Yes, inshallah. Okay, cool. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Book Conversations. We hope you've gained benefit from the discussion. If you've enjoyed the episode, remember to like, review, comment, and share it. We want to feel your love. Book Conversations available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, and several other platforms. Email us your thoughts at bookforsationspod at gmail.com and let us know what books you want us to check out. Till next time, remember Remember to read. read.